back, Dog Earthlets. My name is Conrad, and this is the 99th episode of Space Spinner 2000, the podcast where we try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This week, we're taking a break from our usual weekly progs to cover the Judge Dredd Annual 1984. As always, annuals are dated for the year after they came out, and this is the fourth Dredd Annual. Uh, once again, we have Carlos Escara drawing three new full-color Dread stories, as well as classic Dread, some features, and another Jose Casanova's Max Normal story. The price of the annual has only gone up 20 pence this year to £2.95. But the big news for me for the annual this year is my guest for this episode, the Mega City Book Club's own Eamon Clark. Welcome, Eamon! Borag Thang, Conrad. Welcome from across the pond. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, thank you. You've been kind enough to have me on your show, and I'm excited to return the favor uh, here on Space Spinner. So I guess... Yeah, it's great to be on Space Spinner 2000. It's, oh. uh, uh, it's a dream come true. <laughs> oh, hopefully a good dream. That's that's what I hope. Yes. Um. <laughs> I'm going to be Fox Light for this show. You think of me as Fox Light. <laughs> awesome. All right. So before we get started, I guess I, I want to ask, like, uh, what is your history with 2000 AD? Uh, well, as listeners to my own show will know, it was mainly my little brother who got me into 2000 AD because this was his, his comic. Ah. Uh, the first one I can remember is Prog 61 where Dread rides into the cursed earth to deliver justice. Uh, of course. Uh, with that great <laughs> Mike McMahon cover. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I would read it sporadically on and on uh, through the sort of like the 80s when I would be coming home from college and things like that because it was his. Um, so, yeah, I mean, really excited about Judge Dredd, really excited to be doing this annual. And like a lot of people, I've really got back into 2000 AD in since 2000 onwards. And mm -hmm. uh, now I've get now I get everything. Now I get the prog, the meg, <laughs> all, the, all the trades, everything. Anything yes. that's 2000 AD going, I get it. Yeah, I'm so jealous of, of, of people in England being able to get like those uh, those uh hatchet books because you can't buy them in america they don't ship them out here and they look so cool <laughs> yeah the um, judge dread mega collection and now the 2000 the ultimate collection which i'm getting yeah. they're, they're, they're lovely uh, yeah so when you were reading um the the prog in the 80s did you did you or your brother ever get one of these annuals like the dread annual or the 2080 annual so kira my brother would always get the the uh one of the two because i mm -hmm. mean in uh, here in the UK, these hardbacked annuals would come out before Christmas. Right. Um, and everybody knew that you were going to get one in your stocking. You were going to get an <laughs> annual in your stocking. And it was just which one would you get or which one would you drop hints to get, you know, to get your parents to, <laughs> to buy. Because um, they're slightly different to annuals from American comics, which come yes. out. They yeah, don't necessarily come out at Christmas time, do they? No, I feel like American annuals come out in like the summer, like they're for like sort of kids to take the beach, basically, or something like that. That's when I remember seeing annuals right. when I was really buying comics a lot, and our and also while an American annual is, is usually larger size, like it's like a sixty page instead of like thirty pages or something, like like an American comic. They definitely aren't hardbacked like um, all these two thousand eighty and dread annuals. It really make them to me make them feel like a, a much different beast. You know what I mean? Like yeah, the 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 I just love all these annuals just because you know they they've stood up so well and there's so many of them that they're great collectibles for early two thousand eighty stuff. They're lovely things. I mean, you know, recently Rebellion have put out a few books that have felt like mm -hmm. uh, a classic annual as well. So, you know, yeah, it's great. And it, you, what you'd want was uh, 
hopefully lots of new stuff, lots of new stories, not too many reprints. Uh, and it would be something to keep you very happy for those sort of days after Christmas before school goes back and all <laughs> when you'd be uh, pouring through your hardback annual. Absolutely. Yeah. This one is a lot of fun. And this is actually, I think the first, I think both you and I have physical copies of this annual, which is the first time we've had all both sides of had physical copies for this podcast, yeah, which lovely. is a fun, hard, it's a fun thing. Hardback, hard copy, two ninety five. dollars uh, cost me slightly more than that on eBay this time, but there you oh, go. That's true. Um, yeah. So before we start, also, I'd, I'd love to talk to you about uh, the Mega City Book Club, your show. Uh, what gave you the idea for that podcast? Uh, I just, I do another podcast about British television science fiction. And, and the guy I do that with, Brian from Canada, suggested that I perhaps should be thinking of doing a podcast about comics. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, uh, the only comics I can really, I mean, I could, I could talk about mid 80s American comics with anybody because, mm-hmm. you know, everybody was reading the same things. Everybody knows Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns and Batman Year One and all that. But the only thing I really knew more recently was 2000 AD. Um, Mm -hmm. and actually you mentioned the Hachette collections because the Hachette collections were doing this sort of thematic approach to Judge Dredd's history. So rather than doing it chronologically like the case files or like Space Spinner 2000, they were picking out stories and themes from here and there. Right. And I just had this idea that we could do it like that. I would just get a, uh, I'd get, I'd try and get some 2008 friends to come on the show and talk about one of their favorite books or stories um and i thought i would do it something like 20 or 30 minutes but now it's usually over an hour every two weeks it's the eternal problem with with podcasts i think they always they they, they just grow um forever they're like a goldfish where they just sort of expand to the size of their bowl kind of <laughs> exactly yeah. but we've yeah, had some I, great fun we've had some great great stories some great guests you've been on it doing bill savage in invasion which yes. is fantastic and I know you're coming back later this year to do Shaco, which I can't wait for. Yes, yeah, exciting uh, early early prog action. Although I, I I noticed, and we and we'll probably talk about this on uh on on the Mega City Book Club show. But yeah, the uh, Shaco's actually collecting one of these annuals. I think the the eighty six two thousand AD annual, but it's it's yeah. heavily redacted and it's missing some of my right. favorite parts, which is just a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I I definitely love your show. I love just um, the the jump, you know, moving around to different parts and stuff. I've I've definitely learned a lot and just seen parts of 2008 that I haven't actually read to. So that's very interesting, sort of seeing like and just different views, especially of people who have sort of lived through getting these things weekly, as opposed to you know our more sort of collected like yeah. large, larger backlog and stuff. Uh, it's great stuff. I mean, uh, you know, I'm really sort of grateful to all my guests for coming on and uh, got some interesting stuff coming up in the next few months as well. So Absolutely. fingers crossed. Here's to 2008 podcasts, uh, uh, keeping it real, keeping it positive. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like that's such a key thing uh, for comic Sharing podcasts. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I want to say just for Mega City Book Club, do you have, uh, do you have any favorite episodes or like something that you would consider if someone's starting your show? Like what's an essential like MCBC episode? Uh, so I really enjoyed, I mean, you, you know, if you're talking Judge Dredd, you have to talk about America. So go mm. back to episode two and listen to, uh, 2080 superfan Pete Wells taught me through America. That's fantastic. Um, I, I quite like it when we get off onto a, a sort of like, um, an interesting tangent. So somebody like Julius Howe, who knows a lot about the original artwork, talking about mm-hmm. the artwork 
for ABC Warriors and Simon Bisley and SMS. And he's coming back on the show shortly with some more ABC Warriors. And then I don't know if you've heard recently, earlier this year in January, I had this um, chap from Chicago called Chris Kyra, who owns the Gaze into the Fist. Oh, yes, yes. And that was a fascinating chat, just talking to him about how he got to know Brian Bolland, how he met him, how he got to basically become his minder at, you know, US conventions. (laughs) And then he was in a position to actually make him an offer to buy just like, you know, what is probably the most famous page in British comics. So, you know. Absolutely. So, yeah, great stuff talking about it. But I just love the variety of guests and the variety of opinions and the variety of books. And some of the books have been new to me and some of them have been, you know, very familiar. But, uh, yeah. It's great fun talking about some of these classic comic stories. Uh, and you can't beat 2000 AD, the galaxy's greatest. I mean, yeah, there's just so many, especially when you're, when you can move around, there's just so many different stories to tell in 2000 AD. Um, yeah. when we're, as we sort of enter into this annual, we, uh, will have just finished our coverage of a Prague 320, which is where like, uh, Venus Blue Jean shows up for the first time in Rogue Trooper. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, Dread goes to space condo. Robo Hunter is like traveling through his past lives, I guess. And, uh, we're just like at the beginning of the, uh, of the big assault on the, uh, on the government facility and skiz, like sort of getting towards the end of that one as well. Um, it's really amazing. Like it, 83 is such an amazing year for 2000 AD with these different stories. And then the start of classic ones, like we're just maybe two or three episodes away from the start of Slain from the return of Robo Hunter Nemesis and stuff. It's going to be awesome. But, but let's, let's talk about what, about where we are today, which is the Judge Dread okay. annual. Absolutely. So this annual starts. With a great Ascara Dread on the cover, he's like bursting out of the frame on his lawmaster. And then the inside has the table of contents and the covenant of judges, which is show us your lawbreakers and we shall show them justice. Mega City will be crime free. Trust in the judges. <laughs> with a big, with a big picture of Dread in profile in front of the new Grand Hall of Justice rebuilt after the Apocalypse War. <laughs> when. I believe Dredd actually destroyed it himself when he was escaping from assassinating Judge Griffin. <laughs> I think he did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, tore it down around him. Yeah. Right. Um, so, but what a great cover. And and they had to, I mean, Carlos had to do that cover. He has to do it. I mean, I've been reading about this recently with uh, mm-hmm. Richard Burton, uh, who, yeah, who was one of the editors of 2000 AD, that they'd have to do these covers early in the year because they needed the cover to appear in the trade magazines. Oh, right. That's or, true. You know, for so that news agents and news agents uh, suppliers would know what they were ordering. Yeah, so they did. Yeah, you know, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, so he, so Carlos has to do this early in the year. Of course, he doesn't necessarily, I guess, know what the stories are going to be inside. So we just get dread on on a you know on the lawmaster. Yeah, yeah I think a, out the panel. I, th- I, th- I think a lot of annual covers are like this because they, d- they do tend to be like just sort of for the 2000 AD, it's sort of who's hot in 2000 AD as they're like in the, in, in like months before they come out. I remember one year, like Blackhawk was on the cover of the 2000 AD annual and there wasn't even really a Blackhawk story in the annual, but he was popular at the time, you know? <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, but the, all of this takes us to our first thrill through one, the other slab, Titan. 
Oh, it's wonderful. I love uh, you know. Carlos. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Script Robot is uh, John Wagner's TB Grover. Art Robot, Carlos Scare, Letting Robot, Tom Frame. Yeah. Um, yeah. Barney says John, uh, John Wagner wrote all of the ones in this one as opposed to the partnership. But yeah, so. We start with an, with a giant, um, just full full panel picture of a dread at a crime scene. Judge Pfeiffer has been killed, and all the forensic evidence points to Slab Tynan. But he's been in suspended animation for the last year. Um, How can it be? It's the greatest. Like this is one of my favorite sort of uh, like Judge Dread. Just like we're going to have justice for everyone kind of thing. Where apparently the Justice Department keeps wounded perps like alive in suspended animation until they can be healed and then do their do their sentence basically. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it, and it's tough for contract assassin Slab Tynan who got his name because of all the bar- bodies he's buried under roadways. Because even in 2105, medical science hasn't found the cure for three bullets to the head. <laughs> Which no. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me a lot. There's a there's a Simpsons episode where they go to the future and like Lisa's getting married or something, and uh, Mr. Burns is in suspended animation, and and Smithers is like, ah, oh, we'll unfreeze you someday, Mr. Burns. So just as long as we find the cure for seventeen stab wounds to the back, and he checks the doctors, <laughs> and they're like, we're up to fifteen, hooray! <laughs> but. <laughs> So, Dread fired yeah, one of those... Bo- yeah. To the, yeah, one is Dread, Pfeiffer, and Rourke. Exactly, yeah. So, Dread... Um, so, and so we get the news that Rourke hasn't also been gunned down. He's still alive, though, and identifies Slab Tynan as an attacker. Uh, Dread talks it over with Chief Judge Magruder still in her, in her, in her first form, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they find CCTV footage that shows Tynan... Um, doing the the shooting but he's like old and using futuristic technology so dread immediately puts together this is a far future slab time and coming back in time for revenge um so they can't yeah i mean why not this is you know honestly of the judge dread stories in this annual i feel like this one is the most realistic Um, with with its time travel whatnots but so they can't arrest slab the current slab for the time for the crime that his future him is doing right so instead they um they have to do some some looper stuff basically where dread has a small remote controlled explosive implanted in current slab who's like um still it's a spin an animation and then eventually when future slab attacks him he detonates that explosion <laughs> um, which allows Slab to be taken away, basically. Dread and what, loopers his way through this one. Yeah, you just sort of Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's when you that's when you die hard someone using time travel, I guess. But Exactly. <laughs> but so unfortunately, apparently again, twenty one fifteen medical technology doesn't have a cure for a grenade going off in your stomach. So future slab is put into a uh, suspended animation case next to the current him but this time with a sentence of life <laughs> which i guess they they didn't tell fu- uh, future like current slab when he gets unfrozen that like there's a frozen him next to him but that's just yeah. good good time travel justice i gotta say <laughs> absolutely it's, it's a neat time travel study talent it's a neat time travel story that doesn't give us any paradoxes or anything like that just no it's just taking taking advantage of time overlaps i guess yeah and oh it's beautiful it's just carlos and it's just you know carlos coloring himself oh lovely Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, he gives us information yeah, yeah. on that in the next one. Thrill two, Judge Dredd interview Carlos Escara. <laughs> oh, there he is. Young Carlos. It's amazing. Yeah, this is a real cool interview. Um, it, this one's actually, as opposed to some other interviews we've seen in the Dread in, in the Dread um, annual, this one's done pretty straight. Like it's he's not being interviewed by like the Bert by the robot Bert or anything like that. Yeah. Although I do appreciate that Ascara does sort of act like he's a robot, like he talks about his circuits and stuff. But yeah, there's a great picture of of uh, 1983 Eric Carlos Ascara, chest hair and all. <laughs> <laughs> in front of one of his characters, the Mestizo. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty cool interview, actually. They, they talk a lot about his work, but like how he got started in comics, his work in battle, making, making characters like the Rack, the, the Rat Pack and Major Easy, who I gotta say looks a lot like, uh, Co- uh Cursed Earth Coburn to me. Like, yes. <laughs> of just, you know, j- just another one of these, uh, actual, I guess, James Coburn based characters that Carlos has done over the years. Um, yes. When people would say, uh, writers would say to make him look like Clint Eastwood and Carlos would go, nope. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Um, But yes, he talks a lot about uh, the creation of Judge Dredd and Johnny Alpha. Um, I thought it was interesting when he talked about how much, how many pages he can do in a week. Because he says he can do five if there isn't a lot of detail in the script. But a really detailed script, he can do maybe one in a week. Which... I don't know. For me, I, I was sort of wondering, like, you know, um, if if you get a lot of info, like, could that be helpful in a script? Like, you know what you have to draw, but I guess apparently not. Just if you just give them the broad outlines, he'll figure it out and get it done more quickly. <laughs> Maybe that's why he works so well with John Wagner, whose scripts are famously sort of um, mm. brief. So. I could definitely see that being the case. Uh, he also yeah. says that he he signs stuff he doesn't like. Uh, L.J. Silver, I think most famously so far, we've seen that in like Rick Random and stuff like that. And yeah. then he he lists his inner his his influences as a Hugo Pratt and a Breccia, which I think are both interesting. And then yeah, it's this it's a cool interview. It ends with sort of a timeline of the characters he's created for various comics and stuff over the years. It's cool stuff. I I like this interview. Yeah, it's 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 good to we we've had a couple so far I think with um with with writers like uh, John Wack well I guess like the the TB Grover bot or something like that but um, yeah it's 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 cool to talk to to art to the art to artists just because I I feel like they often don't don't get to talk as much and um get a little look into his processes and stuff. But now uh, it's sp- great to yeah. get this stuff from the eighties. Absolutely, yeah. It's just. You know, it's, I, I really love looking inside the, the process of these guys, even if they do sometimes have to, uh, like keep like a kayfabe in it, like, uh, like professional wrestling or something where it's like, yeah, I know we're still robots, like whatever. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of, uh, terms of the future, it's thrill three mega speak and a history of mega city one. Oh no. So first there's, <laughs> It's, it's always always dangerous waters. But first, there's just a uh, a bunch of definitions of mega city words and sort of matching them up with the uh, with the terms itself. Uh, the the one I didn't know was a megathon, which is the cross city um, mega city foot race. Maybe that just hasn't happened yet. <laughs> as I'm reading the frogs or something like that. Yeah, maybe that's not shown up. Yeah. And do they call the do they call the rubber titanium bullets dodgems? 
Sometimes, like, I feel like there has been times when, like, the ricochet bullets have been called dodgems. I definitely remember that, but right. it's, okay. it, it's not like the, it's definitely not, not the primary version, I'd say, because I've, I've heard them called ricochets a lot also. I don't know. Yeah, Dread Chats ricochet a lot. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't do so yeah. well on this test, Conrad. <laughs> oh, no. 16, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I missed uh, Balb, which is a foolish person also. Oh, yeah. Just because I've, I've heard stoop a couple times. I was like looking for that. I was like, okay, I guess it's not there. But I think the big meat in this, in this section is this his, unofficial history of Mega City 1. Uh, this one's done by John Talbot of Littlehampton, uh, Sussex. And I think it's an interesting thing just because it's got two parts, right? There's the bold sections, which are like the official 2080 canon. And then these ital, italics parts where John has filled in like the gaps, basically. Um, and yeah shout out to john tolbert good work he's really like doing some heavy lifting in terms of just sort of the uh i guess mostly it's the years from the start of abc warriors to um the start to like the the, the start of judge dread basically um it's interesting stuff yeah it um it 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 links invasion and abc warriors to dread um if I, you know, I would have liked personally a little bit more explanation for how the Volgans morphed into the Sovsits, you know, like that's yep. sort of yep. a big missing piece. If you're going to, if you're going to say this is a shared universe, that's a thing, something that I think really has to be addressed. Um, also, it doesn't mention, um, uh, Harlem Heroes or Inferno, which are both also canonically part of, uh, Judge Dredd, of course, with uh, Judge Giant being a big, um, Dredd sidekick and stuff. Um, so I'd like to see that. Um, but mo- and also this timeline has uh, Judge Goodman as being chief judge from t- uh, 2058 to 2101 when he was killed by uh, Judge Cow's conspiracy, which seems like a long reign, I guess, in comparison to future chief judges who tend to yeah. cycle through every, you know, two to three, two to five years or so. Yeah, absolutely. But there's I also, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. They, they, tr- they try to they try to squeeze all this history together, and I sometimes think, you know, no, just leave it as it is. But uh, you know, good effort. I thought. Yeah, good, it's it's good it's, it's a good effort. They're definitely not like I feel like there's a difference between sort of this kind of of shared universe things, and maybe like I I imagine like in like the Marvel like movie offices, there's this big like spreadsheet and like you know yeah. pieces of of like red yarn connecting everything and stuff. Um, and I feel like that was not going on in the 2080 offices. It's more sort of like often just, just, just Pat Mills, um, personally just trying to link all these things together. And John Wagner seems less enthused about it, at least as a, yeah. just from, j- just from reading and how many steps they take. You know, for instance, like if, if Pat Mills is writing something and there's a Tyrannosaurus, it's always related to old one eye and Satanus and stuff. Whereas, um, the T-Rexes that Wagner draws often don't have that kind of, uh, pedigree. You know. Yeah, but you oh, know, well yeah. done, Mister Tolbert of Littlehampton in Sussex. <laughs> exactly. And uh, speaking of people with odd ideas, it's thrill for Max Normal. It's him, the pinstripe freak. <laughs> He's Dreads Informant. Uh, script robot Alan Grant and John Wagner's Grant Grover. Art robot Jesus Casanovas and Junior. Letter robot Steve Potter. So. 
We've had these in a bunch of annuals, uh, Casanova's drawing, Max Normal stories. Um, the last two in the Dread Annual have been about the fallout of the Apocalypse War when the, when the Ricardo Montalban block was first heavily, uh, was, was a scene of heavy fighting and block mania leading up to the Apocalypse War in the Progs and then is basically just sort of a, of a blown out husk now. Um, <laughs> Uh, shots ring out from the fr- from the block, and four members of a, re- of a reclamation crew have been killed. Uh, Dredd shows up and gets the immediate surrender of Max Normal. <laughs> like Max hears that it's Dredd and basically like surrenders instantly because uh, what does he say? Like the man that's tight. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he's one mean Hold string bar, beam. Yeah. <laughs> um. So he used to be Dredd's informer, but now he's going to prison for thirty years. Max is taken to a pat wagon where another perp is already waiting to be taken away. And Max gets uh, pretty sassy with the guard. You know, don't throw no lip to the guy, the tip. And then he uses his fancy rings full of knockout gas to take out the judge in the pat wagon. Um, and then another ring to, like, burn through the door. And then Max and the perp escape and are on the run, basically. They, uh, they steal a hover car. And the perp introduces himself as Plug Belling and, and directs him to his hideout, which is also the base of his gang, Mayhem Incorporated. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, everyone gets chummy as Max, uh, a- a- and they ask Max his line of business. Uh, he's a shuggy player, a professional cool guy, but mainly he's a narc. <laughs> this causes the guy, a professional cool guy. I feel like is 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 got to be on my business cards. I don't know. Yeah, that, that's on his card. Yeah, <laughs> So they draw their guns, and Max uses his final ring, which calls in Judge Dread. Uh, Dread mass Dread blasts Mayhem Inc. and then takes them away. Max gets his informant money and heads out. And if you uh, need him, just give him a ring. Yeah, maybe you, just uh, press that call ring for Judge Dredd before you tell the bad guys. Yeah, but, I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, Dredd was definitely waiting, like, just waiting for the thing. My question is, is what happened to those four dead guys at the start of this story? Yes. <laughs> Where did they get them from? Were they, were, were they, were they fake killed? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> pick, pick them off the belt at re, right, uh, Resic. Uh, Resic, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, one uh, yeah. just another. Shout out for Fox, though, that you know, this is his favorite. So, yeah. oh, Max Normal. Fox loves Max Normal and Casanova, so this is really, you know, yeah. this is a real shout out to Fox for sure. Right um, in his wheelhouse, yeah, definitely. Uh, so now we go to a uh, quick one: three hundred five data file mayor grub, which is a, just a Whoa. quick picture and then um, summary of yeah of, of former mayor jim grubb former mayor of mega city one died of grubb's disease which uh turns him into into, a, into the mushroom man please don't eat me <laughs> oh, it's one of the most gruesome things from those early years isn't it absolutely terrible, yeah terrible mushroom disease and he's he's passed away with the immortal words please don't eat me <laughs> yeah i remember reading this we talked about it in the show is just the way um uh carlos Escara draws the art for that with um all these mushrooms just growing out of all the different parts of mayor grub like on his tongue and stuff oh it just uh, uh makes you very uncomfortable <laughs> i think yeah. it makes me very uncomfortable at least I like that the Justice Department data files appear, the controls appear to be based on a 1980s tape recorder. Absolutely, uh, yeah, the, the, recorder, the yeah. giant buttons and stuff. It's definitely one of yeah. these. 
It's one of these relics that, or one of these pictures that makes me feel like if you showed this to like a, uh, to 2000 ADs, um, the, the people who would be 2000 ADs age base, uh, nowadays, they just have no like standard for what this is supposed to be, you know? Yeah. Um, all right. So now we go to Thrill Seven. Oh no, gosh. Oh my gosh. Thrill Six, Fog Devils of the Cursed Earth. <laughs> Which is our first tech story of the uh, of the annual? Yeah, <laughs> always a ch- cool. yeah, always a challenge for for we American re- for us American readers. I think, but yeah, this one's written by Chris Louder as Jack Adrian, the art with uh, art by by Mick McMahon. Um, yeah, I think this is a really cool story. It's very like it feels like kind of a. Uh, it's it's very adventure story because it's basically some people from uh, a town in the cursed earth have traveled far into the north of the cursed earth to a hidden vault of technology. Um, surely the most distinctive character is this mutant with a rebuilt face that uh, Mick McMahon seems to have a lot of fun drawing in the opening thing. He's got like, like oh, his, yeah. his mouth is like scarred over. And he's got one cybernetic eye. Um, but I really love like the, the artwork's really stark here. It really does a good job of making you see sort of these, like you know, this sort of ragtag band in the frozen north making their way th- their way to like you know this mysterious uh, vault full of traps and stuff. Um, yeah, nat- and it yeah. takes them out. Well, what do you call? What's the movie where they where a gang tries to break in and keeps setting off the traps? Is that? Did they Indiana Jones their way through this? Uh, yeah, I think that sounds right. I well, like yeah. whenever there's whenever there's like like people who start turning on each other, I always think of them as a treasure of Sierra Madreing their way in. You know, oh, there <laughs> you go. That's the one. Good one Tur- you know, to to turning on each other because they found this great like there's a big stockpile of 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 uh, advanced weaponry and stuff, but eventually. Um, like the, the narrator of the story, it's written in, uh, in first person narration, like sort of grabs the remaining girl and sort of jumps through a, a, a time portal to 300 years ago where there's no nuclear war, no cursed earth, no nothing like that, you know? And so it's, it's one of those pretty good story. Yeah. It's one of those things where it turns out like they're the fog devils of the cursed earth, you know, traveling yeah. through the fog and then ending up what in like the 1800s, I guess. Like to make a new life for themselves. <laughs> oh, is that going to work? All right. I mean, okay. Honestly, of all of the different of, of 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 all the different time travel schemes I've seen in various Judge Dread things, this one like a bunch of people just sort of settling and hanging out somewhere in like the Northwest Territories or parts of Canada. It seems less damaging to the time stream than like Slab Tynan going back and killing various judges. You know? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I guess we have to wait till next year's annual to find out. I suppose a sequel so. Sequel to this story. Oh, there is. That's interesting. Yeah, there's a sequel in the next in the next Judge Dredd annual, 1985. Ah, I didn't know that. That's yeah. interesting. Definitely got to keep an eye out for it. Stay looking ahead. Space Spinner 2000. Always. You know, we should get to that one by the end of the year. I think uh, that takes us to let's go back in time. Let's ourselves go back in time with Thrill Seven Devil's Island. <laughs> Oh, no, it's Whitey. Oh, jeez. Yeah, script about Jerry Findlay Day, art about Ian Gibson, letter about Tony Jacob. Yeah, Prague 31 action in a uh, Jerry Findlay Day uh, Judge Dredd story. What's interesting yeah. to yeah, what's interesting to me is that the two classic dreads this annual are on either side of Rico, uh, which is Prague 30. And I'm kind of bummed yeah. they didn't re- 
we print that one here just because, you know, it's always a good time to have Judge Rico show or to have a Judge Rico return from Neptune, you know. But instead, we've got the return of Whitey, who, of course, is the first perp we saw dread bust way back in, like, Frog 2. Um, he was he sends to the inescapable Dr- Devil's Island traffic circle, which I think is just, you know, it's the, it's the first dread story. But I always think of that, that as just an amazing um, piece of future stuff. <laughs> just, you know, it's the future. So there's giant highways that never stop. So we can just uh, imprison people by just putting them in the middle of that. And they'll never be able to escape, basically. Yeah, sure. That will work. Yeah. So... Whitey has has managed to plan his escape though by using his uh, his cellmate's ability to make a, a a weather machine to interfere with Mega City One's weather planning satellites. Um, snow and ice stops traffic and allows Whitey to escape. He kills his cellmate and then leaves his his chains behind and quickly takes a hostage. Um, Judge Dredd is on the case. He of course. Of course, you know, he's always there. Dredd uses the chains from th- that, that, that once bound Whitey on his uh, lawmaster to be able to brave the snow. <laughs> and eventually. Yeah, I'm not sure they work like that. But, it doesn't yeah. seem like there's enough okay. chain for that, but I mean, okay. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, this is, this is Prog 31, so it's very like, you know, answers are easily found. That's sort of how I always think of all early 2000, or a lot of early 2000 ADs is sort of like, there's, you know, problems could be solved very easily in ways that might not make sense if you think about them too much. <laughs> um, so, uh, Dredd follows Whitey, who's taken a hostage, but he's a, but Dredd is able to use the rapidly forming sheets of ice that now cover the city to trick Whitey and momentarily get the drop on him. Though the tables t- soon turn, but they turn again as Dredd throws ice at Whitey's face and he's able to take him down, then grab his machine and return summon sun and warmth to Mega City One and Whitey goes back to Devil's Island. Ah, ice in my face. And he wraps, and, and they wrap up the story in one panel. Yeah. Yeah. With, with just Dredd taking him out, grabbing the thing. And then like, there's just the sun, like appearing behind Dredd's head, like a, like a halo, basically. That's, that's a great panel, actually. It's a lovely panel, that one, Ian Gibson. Yeah. It's, oh. int- uh, it's, I always love, actually, Gibson's one of my top guys for having a real, you can really see his evolution of how he draws Dredd, I think. Like from these early ones to um, just as the years go by and sort of the certain physical characteristics of Dread change and become more pronounced and stuff, you know, like this Dread barely has a chin, you know, it's yeah. it's shocking how small his chin is in comparison to a more modern uh, Judge Dread where his face is like all chin. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I should mention also He's still got the yeah. big eye holes on the helmet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, they're eye holes instead of just a solid a solid visor or something. I should mention also that this that around this time also Whitey uh, showed up again and tried to escape in the 1978 uh, 2000 AD annual um, when his brother showed up with more technology um, and this but after that sort of Whitey got forgotten until like uh, Prague 520 when he kind of shows up and everyone's like Whitey who are you in the 10th anniversary <laughs> edition. <laughs> But speaking oh, nice. of, you, back. you know, I mean, it's important for these guys to show up every now and then. That's how you know, like, this is a, a weirdly living comic, I guess. <laughs> but speaking of Dredd and his giant chin, we go to through eight, A to Dredd. 
which is a dread glossary compiled by Michael Butcher, uh, uh, Butcher and full of just sort of uh, classic dread art. And then, yeah, just descriptions of various terms. It says A to dread, but it does, in fact, go all the way to Z. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's all right. You know, we get some more definitions, some more famous characters. And as you say, some bits of art from uh, old yeah. stories. I think my favorite part about this is just how there are, there's a bunch of sections that are just sort of random side judges, like, and all of them, like, these are judges that are clearly just tossed in to have joke names, and then this thing takes their jokes even further. So, like, Judge Bilko is explicitly linked to uh, Sergeant Bilko, the uh, the, the, the... The, the sitcom <laughs> character, or like Judge Churchill from uh, the from the uh, from Un American Graffiti, is specifically related to Winston Churchill. You know, <laughs> like oh, like oh. it's just just taking a joke and being like, yes, this is this is clearly the the, the, the joke. You know, <laughs> um, we'll we'll make it even clearer. Yeah, we're definitely like yes, Doctor Kildare descended from that famous doctor, but. <laughs> Um, (laughs) but speaking of, or no, I guess in turn, or let's get back to action with Thrill 9 Halloween. Oh, it's so good. This one's great. John Wagner, uh, as TB Grover, Art Robot Colors as Scarlet, Robot Tom Frame. Yeah, Halloween and Mega City 1, and it's always a busy night. (laughs) Scare is great. I love, um, so... We've got Juves flying around on, like, broomstick-style jet sticks. Like, I think the Wicked Witch of the West and the Wicked Witch of the East uh, uh, crash into each other. But the big news is that there's a gang of mutant criminals on the loose posing as trick-or-treaters. Um, there's one There's one guy, Lefty, who has his left arm growing out of the top of his head. There's another guy, uh, Furs, who's covered in fur, and I believe maybe like an ancestor of the Clacton Fuzz from the uh, from the uh, portion of a mutant uh, storyline. Yeah, because <laughs> they look they, Looks like it. They have a very similar look, you know. Got a got a mutant genetic line, I suppose. Um, <laughs> but so, meanwhile, Dread he's arresting Juves for attacking a adult, which is the Juve term for adults for not having candy. And Dread's like, "All right, but like, you can't go after him with like clubs and stuff. You're all you're all nicked." <laughs> then, um, yeah, no, we no meet, treats for them. Yeah, when. <laughs> When suddenly he's called, there's Judge Death on a pedway. At the same time, all the other mutants are starting to meet up. There's uh, the two Ronnies, which is a mutant with a with a with another head growing out of his chin, which is pretty which is pretty funny, I think. And then yeah. another guy with just a sideways head who's feeding um, norms into a garbage grinder in a low key horror. A horrifying thing, but also the return of garbage grinders, to, of people jumping into garbage grinders for the uh, Judge Dread annual. We had it last time with the Mega Fleas in the 90, in the 80, in the eighty two uh. annual. <laughs> but so there's a a judge, Judge Eustace, who tries to stop the uh, the mutants, but he gets a sledgehammer to the head and is gunned down by the two Ronnies. Although he manages to radio in with his dying breath. Uh, Dread responds uh, as he's arresting um, a perp for impersonating Judge Death, <laughs> and yeah, we he, got a red Judge Death reference. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, at first he's spotted, and then the guys, and then Dread's taking him away. He's like, you know, like what? What did I do? And like, you're you're impersonating a known criminal, <laughs> basically. <laughs> so Dread pursues the pursues the mutants as they fly um, on the jet sticks in front of the moon, like ET style. Um, <laughs> 
they take out other flyers as they go, and they end up in the Cubby Broccoli uh, uh, block. Uh, Cubby Broccoli being the guy who produced the majority of the uh, of, of the James Bond films up until Goldeneye, I believe. Yeah. Um, with with Dread and Hot Pursuit, he finds them taking down rich citizens, and he gets stuck in. He uh, he tosses Fester, the guy with the sideways head, into a garbage grinder himself. So you know, it's an ironic death for him, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You'll pum- you'll pummel no one, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Um, then uh, Lefty grabs Dred- Dredd's Lawgiver and tries to shoot him with it, and it explodes in classic uh, Lawgiver fashion. The final two mutants seem to, uh, seem to escape on their jet sticks, but Dredd commandeers a fireworks display and starts shooting rockets at him. One goes right through the chest of the two Ronnies, and the resulting light show uh, sets Furz's fur on fire, and he crashes into the side of a city block. <laughs> It's it's a great like giant firework uh, uh, Halloween fireworks display, and Dread is sort of like uh, it's it's eight p.m. and we've already had to deal with this. This is going to be some Halloween. <laughs> yeah, oh, this beautiful is, fireworks. The, the 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 color art by Carlos, lovely again. It's definitely he's definitely taking advantage of the of, of these color pages to really um, have a lot of, of of action and then yeah like the just the different costumes and the fireworks and things is really amazing art and really a great way to use the uh, you know the, these rare color pages in these annuals I mean you know the, there's never full color thrills in the in in the, in the prog yet so. You know, this seems like a, yeah. a real good chance for these guys to sort of spread their wings a little bit, honestly. Um, Firework the, rockets seem to be a lot more accurate in Judge Dredd's world. I mean, it's. A, I mean, I don't. You know, I think <laughs> they must be super high powered because I think in yeah. in real life, even if you got hit in the chest with like a firework, I don't think it would actually go through your chest. I just think it like it like bounce off you. <laughs> But you know you gotta super work. They have to be powerful enough to penetrate the powerful pollution in the sky of Mega City One. I guess that's my explanation. Um, um, so that takes you us. You get a black oh. and white uh, dread um, headshot in what in on the uh, what is it one two three oh four. yeah it... yeah that that yeah. is odd. Um, there's one Everybody section else is in beautiful color. Yeah, there's yeah. one section where where they call Dread to get Judge Death, and Dread's just standing there in black and white, which it yeah, definitely stands out and made me think like what, like maybe maybe he's um, he's heard that it's Judge Death, and it's like you know <laughs> he's <laughs> he's momentarily shocked or something. That's my that's my no prize answer. <laughs> okay. Um, so next up, it's tell yeah. Us if you know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm sure it could just be like, yeah, we're trying to get to print, like sometimes. These things happen, you know. Um, but that takes us to Thrill Ten: Portrait of a Citizen Under Suspicion. Oh no! This one is this is an interesting one because um, it's got art by Robin Smith, and it's very much sort of a. I feel like if Fox was here, he would be really angry at this one because it starts out as a comic and then turns into um, <laughs> a, 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 a written short story. Yeah, where basically. The uh, this uh, citizen, the knee pad kid, gets picked up by Judge by, by Judge uh, Sladek, and who has a, an excellent mustache, and um, is forced to enter this extensive Justice Department uh, questionnaire about like his personal uh, life and all this stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, oh well, it, we can read his story. Yeah. yeah. 
it goes on for quite some time. I think there's some interesting things. I, I, I feel like for me, the most important part is just all of the knee pad based things, just because that's, you know, <laughs> yep. knee, knee pads are the industry that Mega City One runs on, apparently. <laughs> It is, yes. It's the it's the thriving heart of the Mega City One economy. So, yeah. like, yeah, the knee pad kid, like, you know, spends his time embellishing knee pads. His distinguishing feature, he's got a permanent abrasion on his kneecap from wearing knee pads, you know, <laughs> things of that nature. <laughs> um, and he ends up, and, and eventually the uh, doing the questionnaire takes so long that he is uh, misses his moped and is stuck on the streets until it comes back again tomorrow, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Some weird, uh, some weird pixelated graphics as well. Yeah, there like is. Somebody's it's very much yeah. Paint. Yeah, it's supposed to be like his, like you know, official Justice Department like mugshot and stuff. But yeah, it's it's clearly um, something someone who's just taken a grid and filled in blocks like like a paint by numbers almost or something yeah. like that. It's got his his skeleton, his X ray, which is also frowning, and then just a uh, an inset image of the uh, knee pad abrasion on his knee. <laughs> Yeah. And then sort of ends with like different um like image identifications. Um I think the most interesting one is there's one for Judge Cow, and he sort of says like non-comprehension, like it seems like maybe some of the nitty-gritty of what actually happened in the course of the Judge Cow storyline might not have filtered down to sort of the person on the street, you know? Which I think is yeah. an interesting like seems seems probable, honestly, and it's sort of an interesting like thing in ju- of a Judge Dredd, I guess. Unless um, your name's Aaron A. Ardwar, you know. Well, yeah, you then, you know. Know. Exactly. then you know. Then you know for sure, know. yeah. yeah. <laughs> but speaking uh, of data files, I'm, yeah, go, oh, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm with Fox on this one. I felt like I was uh, I was trapped into a story I didn't want to read. <laughs> yeah, they, they they pull you in with uh, with the artwork, and then it's like, oh, the words, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> but speaking of words, it's uh, Thrill 11. Data file mean machine, which is just another one of these data files. This one for mean machine angel, recently resurrected by the judge child and stuff. Um, I think the most it, it uses the cover from the Destiny's Angels one. You know, this here is a hijack. Um, yeah. I think the most interesting thing in this one is that it kind of spoils the uh, the final news story of this book by saying that he's in Isoblock six 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 with the devil. You know. Yes, like, that's a bit of a giveaway. Yeah, like what the heck, you know? <laughs> yeah, don't tell, don't tell us that. <laughs> Although yeah, I I, I could see reading it through and kind of being like, what the devil? But then it sort of you know pays off in the end, I guess. But yeah. um, in, in more dread adventures, it's Thrill Twelve: The Daily Dreads. Ah, oh, these are cool. Yeah, these are I, wonderful from the Daily Star newspaper. Absolutely, yeah. These are. This is a feature I think in all of the specials and annuals. Um, in '83, they all have like six or so uh, reprinted dreads. They're sideways on on the page just to be able to fit them fit them all and stuff. Yeah, as seen on uh, episode 19 of the Mega City Book Club, right? <laughs> yes, the Daily Dreads with Guy Robbins, who owns yes. some of the. Uh, he owns some bits and pieces of this art, I think. Oh, that's but, yeah, amazing. Ron Smith. Yeah, Ron Smith, written by John Wagner, actually as John Wagner, which I thought was very interesting. I guess when you're in a newspaper, they don't let you use pseudonyms. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, of course, lettered by Tom Frame. Yeah, but um, these... Um, I. 
I was sort of down on on the dreads on the daily dreads not having read them, but now that I'm 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 looking at them more and more, um, I'm really enjoying them just because of of the speed that they tell all these little stories in. Um, I mean, I mean, famously, I think the Daily Dreads did the Apocalypse War in like one strip, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, and just the way that they, you know, even more, you know, what what I love about 2000 AD sometimes is just the compressed storylines of getting a story in like four or five pages, and this is that to the nth degree, where it's just like two rows of panels, we've got to tell an entire story basically. But yeah, there's, 10 there's panels, yeah, and that's it. It's just the the economy and just sort of like getting to the punchline and stuff is 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 really great. Uh, the first one, there's a uh, a criminal on the loose. He gets caught by an eye in the sky camera. Dread takes him down and says, you know, it wasn't spy in the sky creep. It was pie in the sky. Like there was no chance, <laughs> you know. Um, the next one is a uh, is a ventriloquist who is outed as a mutant, having like a weird face in his chest. And yeah. in a pretty common move, I feel like for these daily dreads, he's just sort of sent off with his bags into the cursed earth. <laughs> and, yep. You know, it, the, his big joke was like, why did the chicken cross the mega way? And the dummy says, what's a chicken? And then as they walk out, like the face asks him like, hey, what is a chicken? Anyhow. <laughs> um the next one is a uh, is I think sort of a, a classic Judge Dread concept. You know, a, a citizen's going to jump off the zoom way. Dread tells him not to do it because littering is a crime. <laughs> uh, as he falls and just goes down the the you know the forty seven levels of this massive highway, he thinks better of it. He gets caught by the uh, by the judges, and then once he's done, he's like, oh, you know, I've, I've seen the light. I want to live and forget my worries." And Dredd's like, "That's great, uh, but first you're going to be in jail for uh, eighteen months for your various crimes <laughs> and trying to kill yourself." That's Which, Dredd. I mean, it's just the classic. Uh, you know, Dredd always arrests the uh, he arrests the criminal and he arrests the victim of the crime. Everybody's got something, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> the next one is a is a Jason Youngblood who lives in an apartment full of automatic um, conveniences until Dredd knocks on his door one day. Oh no, he's found out about my jaywalking. He goes to attack Dredd. Dredd easily takes him down and now he's stuck in prison. Even the And uh, we learned that Dredd actually had the wrong address when he knocked on his door. But this, you know, he felt Just he was shows. guilty. Everyone's got something to hide. Now he's in prison and he must scratch his own back. Oh, the horror! <laughs> <laughs> uh the final the final two are there's two like black atlantic based ones one is um a bunch of smokers who have traveled out 500 miles from mega city one to the international uh border where there's no law and so they just stand on the deck of their boats uh smoking <laughs> but then dread shows up and says ah oh, the border has been extended si to 600 miles and so they throw all their uh, cigars and, and pipes and cigarettes into the Black Atlantic, which sets it on fire, and uh, <laughs> they, you know, have to be and, and just burn away. You know, and it gets arrested. That's the last smoke you'll be doing for five years. Yeah. And then finally, a bunch of Brit sitters try to swim the Black Atlantic. Almost everyone quits, but one guy actually makes it. But when he arrives on the shore of Mega City One, he's turned away because he's got 59 pollution-based diseases. What'll he do now? And Dredd just says, Brit sits that way. Try the crawl. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. 
It's pretty harsh don't, from Dread, as you. I mean, yeah, he, you know, he doesn't want these uh these folks swimming into Mega City One, you know. <laughs> yeah. Can I just say, Ron Smith in black and white during crazy Mega City One action and Black Atlantic action? That's fantastic, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. This is really this stuff. You know, I I I feel like Ron Smith sometimes sometimes get gets a short sh- uh, shift of the of, of the dread artists i think sometimes um just because I, I think he's so famous for like doing the thing with the clock and things like that but yeah i really i really love him um for like just the, his ability to, to draw really beautiful ugly people is really great um oh he's just great and just the level of detail that he draws in, in so much of his work um, really shines through, actually, in these daily dreads where there's so little space to work with. So he just crams everything in there and makes these um, comics seem incredibly, like, dense, which I think is really amazing. And also, you know, also helps when he's d- destroying the city. I think I've said several times that no one can destroy Mega City 1 like uh, Ron Smith. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So speaking of witty dread lines, we go to Thrill 13, the wit and wisdom of Judge Dread, New York, New York, Dreadheads, Law Gaming, and Crosswords. So just a big, big old uh, bunch of sections here. <laughs> yeah. First, there's like a collection of dread quotes from the Mega Times, and it's sort of got the prog that it's from. It goes from prog 3 to prog 271, basically. Um, you know, this one's just sort of a quick, like, we gotta fill some pages, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This is, this is filler time. Yeah. Although it has, uh, you know, it does remind me of some fun ones. I always love, uh, call me Kenneth saying he's a big fan of Hitler. That's sort of a ridiculous thing. Um, Judge Fish saying bloop. Although I am kind of bummed they don't have the final words of Grand Marshal K- uh, Kazan when he apologizes for nothing, just because I think that's a yes. fun, um, capper to the apocalypse war <laughs> but so next up there's another kind of filler thing with a, just a comparison of new york in 1983 to sector 44 of mega city one in 2105 um it's got the arts is sort of a silhouette of manhattan in front of a giant mega city one skyline the buildings are 500 stories taller than the world trade center and the population is now uh 50 million instead of 8 million you know Still, a hell of a town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a crowded place. They yeah. named it twice. <laughs> you know, well, now, now only once because it's just Sector 44, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> then there's a, a, another kind of filler thing that's a bank of popular of pictures of popular actors and then pic- and then pictures of them with dread helmets and sometimes uniforms attached to them um i'd say for me the funniest ones are definitely like charles bronson and uh, burt reynolds because they still have mustaches when they have the yes. dread helmets on <laughs> but it's just sort of imagining these guys if they were um actors playing judge dread or something like that you know which of course you know mustache is not approved for playing judge dread they do, in fact, have Sylvester Stallone in here, which I thought was, like, weirdly prescient, I guess. Yeah, I suppose um, they had to get one right, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, they, uh, they, yeah, don't have, yeah they, they don't have Carl Urban, but that's probably because he was nine years old when this, <laughs> this annual was, came yeah. out. <laughs> yes. um, uh, next up, there's a, a thing on Law Gaming, which is an extended feature on the uh, Judge Dredd board game by, uh, by Games Workshop. Yeah, pretty good actually. Yeah, yeah. I'd never like, heard of this until it was covered, but it looks I I've I've read a couple reviews for it on like Board Game Geek and, th- and things like that. And it sounds like an interesting game actually. The art for it looks amazing. Yeah. 
Holland like on the cover, Ian Gebson on the board. Yeah, yeah. it's just a, a giant like sky view of part of Mega City One for the board, and then all the cards are different, like clip art, I think, from part from or or, or pinups and stuff from different 2080 um, issues. Yeah, that's no, good. I like yeah. this one. Yeah, it's definitely so, you know this is a, a product I hadn't heard of, but it seems like man, it's definitely something that like you know is, is on my list of like weird Judge Dread things to get someday to, to um, hunt down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Finally, there's a, a crossword with um with various Dread questions. Um, the, in, in the version I bought from eBay, it actually has all the answers filled in, which is pretty awesome. I gotta say. <laughs> Oh, good. Mine's and, blank, and it's going to stay blank. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, it's it's one thing. I feel like if, if a kid in 1983 is filling in your crossword, but doing it now yeah. just seems seems sacrilegious almost. The crossword's kind of fun just because it has, or it's oddly structured. It's got a lot of like little two letter answers and stuff, like you know, um, like 37. There's it's just like killed by his brother Mean initials as a Link Angel once again gets the short shift from 2018 and stuff. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. But speaking of classic dread things, it's Thrill 14 Neon Knights, which is another Mills. classic dread. Yeah, script robot Pat Mills, art robot Ian Gibson, letter robot Tony Jacob. This is more classic dread from Prague 29. It's uh, the aftermath of Call Me Kenneth's Robot War. It ended about 11 issues before this. And a bunch of uh, robos, ro- of, a, of a bike riding futuristic clan with a K members are traveling around uh, destroying robots as well as those who would defend robots in just excellent like it's very like uh gibson i think draws has some fun just drawing these different uh like uh neon knights i got a lot of very like templar imagery and laser swords and things like that yeah um does uh, space Spinner 2000 approve of walter the robot getting beaten the crap out of i mean you know this is a very much sort of a crossover thing because we're we're 100 percent anti-vigilante you know <laughs> <laughs> there must be there must be law and order but we don't the, with the neon knights. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, the actions of the neon knights of uh, of 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 cornering Walter the Wobot when he's taking a show it cut back to Judge Dwed's house, <laughs> and then beating the crap out of him. Ah, oh, that's just so right. <laughs> it feels so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, they uh, because uh, uh, Walter's a free robot. The, the the Neon Knights sort of take him to their hideout to finish the job, which happens to be right next door to like the uh, cemetery where a bunch of judges killed in the robot war are buried when Dred's paying his respects. Um, so he kind of Andy. just by happenstance manages to save Walter riding through, um, fighting all the neon knights off and finally revealing that the clan's leader is actually a cyborg. Whoa. Whoa. Air horns. Big reveal. Shock. But he, uh, yeah, so everyone's like, oh, like, I can't believe we were hating robots when a half robot was actually telling us to do it. Oh, we've learned a lesson, you know. Dread has a big speech about, uh, uh, this being a mixed up world, but you still have to obey the law. And who is the law? And they all shout, you're the law, Judge Dread, which is weird, I guess. But then they're taken away to jail, so whatever. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, Uh, 
Excellent, excellent Back fun. when they had police as well as judges. That's right, yeah, because they're, they're sort of, yeah, yeah non-judges taking them, taking them away. That's interesting. Maybe they're local, yeah. like, sit defense or something like that. Who's to say? Yeah, who knows? Yeah, Walter with his with his broken um with his with, with his broken uh, screen and thanking Judge Dredd. Dredd's like, I would have done this for anybody. <laughs> you know, you aren't special, Walter. Oh, no one destroys you but me, basically. <laughs> um, You'll be happy to know the Mech Doctor says he can soon make me as white as Wayne. <laughs> you saved me. I'm so proud, uh, Walter. So glad to He's not have to deal back. with this for a long time. <laughs> I mean, he's uh, Walter's always with us, right? <laughs> but <laughs> yes, more more as more as a, uh, as a as as a grim warning about being too cute with your characters than anything yeah. else. <laughs> um, so now we go to Thrill Fifteen Fat File Chief Judge Magruder and Answers. <laughs> so another quick fact file. This one on uh, Judge Hilda Magruder. Um, I like how they say her distinguishing features are her skull earrings and her left and her bionic left hand and stuff. Um, I love how is how Ascara draws the skull earrings actually in these early Magruder sections. It's so funny looking at her here. You know, this is something that I, I would talk about with Fox as a spoiler, but just sort of how Magruder ends up um, is is such a such a huge change. You know, after the events of uh, what Dead Man and God knows what else. You know. Yeah, uh, was it Wilderlands? Was that the one as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wilderlands. That's the that that's sort of the final um the final gasp yeah. when they like that one She's giant. A, I mean, great character through Dread's history, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I like they've they've given us a bit of backstory here about she's got an artificial left hand they've sort of remembered yeah. to fill that bit in it's true yeah that you see her getting like sworn in at the end of the apocalypse war and she's missing an arm but then later she sort of has the arm and it's like oh, okay i guess you know you just got yeah. better or something <laughs> okay yeah i don't know um, back. Bye, yeah like. fine just f- good enough i guess <laughs> yeah. then there's the the answers page which also has a commercial for the 2000 ad annual for 1984 um, bunch of uh, all the answers to the various puzzles, and then a final uh, female judge for Ornella M- uh, Muti in uh, in 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 uh, Judge Hershey gear, I guess. Um, yeah, I forgot who she was, but she was like the princess from the Flash Gordon movie in 1980, things like that. Yeah, the very hot princess in uh, oh, Flash yes. Gordon. Everybody, everybody was very very impressed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't but, know what other movies she's ever made, but you know, yeah. They sometimes she made a big impression. Yeah, Flash Gordon just takes one, you know. Um, but that takes us to our final thrill: Thrill Sixteen, Beat the Devil. <laughs> oh. This one is written, uh, scripted by John Wagner's TV Grover, art by Carlos Escarra, letting her about Tom Frame. This one's great. Um, it's really Carlos having a lot of fun drawing a, a Mega City One Devil. I feel like uh, John Wagner's having fun too because this whole story is um, is told in rhyme. Like there's a tale they tell in the darkest of cell in ice in Isoblock Six Six Six. That's Megas, that's the mega city hell where the worst perps dwell to pay for their dirty tricks, you know? <laughs> and do you ever get the, the feeling that John Wagner's a frustrated poet, you know? I feel like, I mean, right now we're working. 
he, he definitely loves a rhyme. Like we're just reading through um on on the show on the on, on the episodes we're doing like the uh the play it again Sam Robohunter story, which is all of these song parodies and stuff. I feel like this is one of the one of the many like these rhyming couplet things are one of the many things that I think John Wagner thinks is hilarious and sort of makes an effort to put into his various stories, you know? It's like this, like hillbillies, um CB radio talk, and like sports yep. and announcers blandly describing like incredible violence are the like the big the big tent poles of uh of john wagner's sense of humor kind of yeah and 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 i'm all for it because i think this is a really great story um it's sort of a story within a story as a jimmy the gink one of the uh one of the guys in isoblock 666 uh talks about the story of how the devil old nick himself got tired of dread being such a goody goody he's got a boiling cauldron all picked out for him and now it's time to head to the surface and get him some dread (laughs) yep the annuals the devil went up there and got him (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the devil animates in the middle of Mega City One and uh, basically calls Dread out. And so he and Dread head over to the main pavilion of the Agro Dome to talk things over. And suddenly it's the last temptation of Dread as the devil like offers him fame and fortune in exchange for his soul. But no. <laughs> man, Dread doesn't deal with perps, <laughs> so instead he locks the door of the aggro dome, swallows the key, and then the two of them proceed to have a knockout dragout fight. <laughs> In the end, the and devil. You might think, how are you going to get out yourself, Dread? But never mind. I don't. I'm what's... I mean, I feel like I feel like he just, you know, he's maybe got a second master key or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But um. They they have a big a big old fight. There's lawgivers and there's uh, uh, fiery pitchforks going everywhere. But finally, the devil submits. Enough, you're too rough. He bleats. <laughs> he bleats, <laughs> and the devil is taken away in chains and put in a cage in the bottom of ISO Block Six Six Six, where he's like in the you know in the arrow based prison uniform and just like sheesh, I got beaten. Dread has beat the devil. <laughs> and oh it's, dear. it's a little comedy classic to finish off the off the annual. I mean, I think uh, this is a, this is a funny or there's an this feels kind of similar to me to um to the eighty to the uh the eighty three annual where Dread got um abducted by that like extra dimensional beast and then was tried by all of his villains and stuff. Oh uh, yeah, just because right, yeah. it's another one of these stories where something. Over the top, ridiculously supernatural happens to Dread, and his response is basically to arrest it. You know, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and it's just such like, like yeah, like that's you know he's he's dealt with these kind of things before, and that's what you do basically. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, there's that great line that Rob Williams wrote in a recent prog where Dread says. Uh, something about the supernatural. Does he believe in the supernatural? He says, I put my fist through the supernatural. So, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. This, this is dread. I've arrested the supernatural. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, yeah. it's like the, like the fact that, that, that dread, dread, dread arrests the devil. And like in my mind, I'm thinking, like, I guess that could happen. You know, it's a real, <laughs> a real testament to the varied, like, kinds of science fiction that, that show up in dread where, you know, a robot rebellion and an attack of werewolves are sort of on even levels of realism <laughs> with, with the, or, or, or sort of are, are strain your disbelief to the same amount, you know? But yeah. I think the real question is, even we finished the 
1984 annual, and that leaves us with a question, which is what were your top and bottom thrills? Oh, right. Well, you could pick any of the three beautifully <laughs> colored Carlos stories. Uh, I've got a real thing for the Halloween story. So my top thrill is going to be Dread in Halloween with those oh, right. weird creeps flying around. I, you know, I, I feel like uh, in the 80s in the UK, we were just getting into Halloween because we'd seen it in E.T. And as you say, you get that E.T. shot of them yeah. flying across the moon and everything. So I'm going to go for top thrill Halloween. Well, that's really interesting. I guess I, I, I know that there was a point where everybody doesn't have Halloween, but that's that's a cool that's a cool thing. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Well, when so in the seventies, we uh, bonfire night, November the fifth, was a bigger thing for us. Mm-hmm. That was the big sort of festival in the autumn, and now of course Halloween has become much more uh, popular. So yeah, <laughs> great Halloween story, great uh, Carlos Hart, and of course it wouldn't be Space Spinner two thousand if I didn't mention Tom Frame. Of course. Um, yes, yeah, who letters the, the three The stories. letterer, yes, absolutely. But so what is your yeah. bottom thrill? This is the harder question, I think, because this is a fun annual. <laughs> well, you know, I don't like the, some of the filler, but Portrait of a Citizen. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a vote for Fox and say I felt, you know, I felt tricked. <laughs> yeah. I like the Robin Smith art. I like the judge with the mustache. But then you get into this weird questionnaire that sorts of tell sorts of tells the story. So no, that one, Portrait of a Citizen, is my bottom thrill. So, Excellent. so Conrad, what about yourself? What oh your man, bottom thrills. Um, oh geez, I'm going to say for my top, I'm going to say Beat the Devil. I thought that was a really fun one. Um, it also uh, it reminded me of this one Johnny Cash song about uh, where 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 that that ends with uh, Johnny Cash saying, uh, "I didn't beat the devil, but I drank his beer for nothing," which sort of <laughs> carried me through for this for uh, for this story. And I thought it was really fun, just the giant uh, uh, golden devil like threatening dread and stuff like that. Um, the art's great, and I love the and like the rhyming can be pretty funny. I think, which, which is pretty good. Um, I think for my bottom. Uh, I mean, I think for my bottom, I'm going to say the Dread A to Z, and that's sort of just that that section of thr- of filler, I guess. Yeah. Um, just yeah. because a, a lot of the stuff where it's really collect, where it's just sort of like, all right, like we've got a bunch of random things, let's just toss it in here. You know, it, it's a bummer because there's so much in these annuals that then to sort of have one of the like a a filler thing that doesn't require almost any work just feels like a missed opportunity you know what i mean yeah um awesome yeah you've got to have some filler that's true i mean yeah it it can't all be roses in like full color colors of scara stories although man what if it was that'd be a whole whole new dimension (laughs) three full color colors of scara stories great stuff absolutely anyhow i hope everybody enjoyed the show as always you can find space spinner 2000 on itunes stitcher the google play store or on our podcast site at space spinner 2000.com feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at spacespinner2k. For everything else, just look up spacespinner2000 and we should be there. And even where can we find the Mega City Book Club? You can find me at megacitybookclub.com and just like Space Spinner 2000, if you look for Mega City Book Club on Twitter, on Facebook or on Instagram, you'll find me there. Or you can email me mcbcpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, great 
2080 podcasts sharing the love let's keep it going absolutely and everybody should come back for us next time for our 100th episode oh my gosh he is <laughs> just a man is so long ago it was just a couple guys in california in their kitchen in their various kitchens now we're all over the globe <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll learn the origin of Sam Slade's clone. Judge Dredd will be marked by the werewolf. Skiz will begin his escape, and Rogue Trooper will run afoul of the bloodthirsty New Earth press. <laughs> Until then, I'm Conrad. He's Eman, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Splendid Earthrig. Oh!